0: I, like most people that I imagine, uh, use a computer every single day, almost every single day. Uh, Think about that. What didn't exist not all that long ago uh, has become essential really to almost everything that we do. And I use a computer almost every single day. But, however, uh, those that know me, those that are close to me know they can tell you that that doesn't mean that I know how to use a computer. Well, here's what I've noticed uh, in these years. When you make a mess of your computer, and and I'm talking about you really get it all messed up, and it does stuff that you didn't ask for it to do, and it won't do the things that you asked for it to do. It gets all jammed up. Uh, Sometimes the the screen will freeze, and it won't even let you turn it off. Uh, It gets stuck. It has all these crazy numbers on it, but when you get it all messed up, the thing is just all the way messed up. Here's, here's what we do. We call this person, and they come, and they listen, and they and while they're listening, they look at you like you're dumb. Now, they have to do that. And they look at you like you're dumb, and you pay them a couple of hundred dollars, about $200, and they reset it. Uh, simple as that. They say all these big words, you're this, was that, and this needed to happen, and so uh, they have all these big words, but basically they reset the computer. The problem Uh, is fixed, it goes back to some previous time, it goes back to normal, and they basically just reset it. Well, I, I wonder how many of us today need a reset. And I thought about that the last few days. I wonder how many of us today need a reset. We need a button to push in all the things that are messed up in life, all the things that have got us jammed up today, all the things that are drawing our attention How many of us need a reset, a button that we could push, and it would fix our eyes back to that which truly matters? Now, let me say this. Uh, Some of y'all have got way too many tabs open this morning. I can tell by looking at you. Well, I want to tell you the good news this morning. The good news is this. We have that reset. Listen very carefully. We have that reset today in the swirl of all the crazy things going on, all the things that get us discouraged, all the things that pull us into distraction, and all of the noise today, we have a reset, and that is to remember our Savior, crucified for sinners, risen from the dead, reigning as King, fixing our eyes on Him. Do you know it's as simple as that? And all of that noise, and all of these things the discouraging things, our reset is to fix our eyes on our Savior, crucified for sinners, risen from the dead, and reigning as King. Our message today is entitled, The Reset Button. The Reset Button. Now, part of our service today, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper as well. Our verses are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Now, it comes from a much larger context. I would encourage you to read that. But our verses today, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. It says this, For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. Now, I want you to hear those two verses again. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I am thankful, so thankful for our kind, gracious, powerful, loving Savior. Lord, we come today and we exalt, we lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that this day, on this day, as of every previous day, that our anchor holds. And all the future days that our anchor holds, I'm thankful that our hope is fixed, not in the circumstances of life, not in the deeds that we will do, but our hope is fixed in Jesus, in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Lord, I pray today as, as, as we study your word, I, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort us. I, I pray that you would grow us in this hour. And I pray the result is we will be resolved, committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, that we would preach Christ. And him crucified. Lord, we're thankful today that we have a hope that hasn't been extinguished. Lord, I'm thankful that we have a peace that endures. Lord, I'm thankful that we have a future that is settled. And we're thankful that it's all in the name of Jesus. We praise you, we worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, we're going to go very quickly to our verses today. Very, very quickly, let me set the context for our verses now follow this see see how these verses stand in their context understand Paul is writing a letter and really it is a letter of correction to the church at Corinth if you go back and read the entire letter it is a church that is, is a letter that is correcting uh, some of the things that are going on in the Corinthian church and in this letter very early on he is establishing the foundation for the letter. Now, that just makes sense. That's what you would do. He is writing them a letter, really a letter of correction. And very early on, already in the first chapter, he is establishing the foundation for the letter. He is establishing the foundation for the coming correction in the letter. And really, he is establishing the foundation of what they believe as Christians. He sets the foundation, and that is the centrality of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so he's writing them this letter, and he's going to set this letter in on a firm foundation. He's about to offer them correction. He's establishing the point of correction, and he is really setting the foundation, really for the faith that we hold as believers, and that is the central place Of the cross of our Savior Jesus Christ. Paul, in effect, is hitting the reset button for the church in Corinth. I want you to hear me very carefully today, dear friends. Today, when the world becomes too loud, when the issues in the world and then the issues that play in our heads become overwhelming, And when the swirl of all that is going on has you all jammed up, we as well need to go very quickly back to the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that's, that's as plain as day. We get all jammed up and we get all stressed out and we get all worried and we're wondering where we're going to go from here and what's going to happen in our world. And if this happens, that'll happen. And if that'll happen, this'll happen. And I want to tell you the answer for that as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to go very assuredly back to the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's the answer. That is the remedy. That is the reset button. Now, you can send in $200 sometime this week for your reset. Let me warn you right now, however, and I I can already see this coming. I've seen it the last week. Let, Let me warn you right now this morning, however, the world will say, What does the cross have to do with this? That's what the world's going to say. What in the world does the cross have to do with these? These are very real problems. These are very real issues. What does the cross have to do with this? The world is going to say, how do you find any hope in the cross anyway? There's no hope in the cross, at least not for you. How do you find any hope in a crucifixion in a cross? How do you find any hope there? The world is going to say today that this message of the cross, it is ignorant. That's what the world says. It is a crutch of the feeble and the simple-minded. It is a, it is a religious crutch. They're going to say that the message of the cross is powerless. There's no power in the message of the cross the world is going to say the message of the cross is foolishness. It is ridiculousness, and you are ignorant. You are simple-minded if you're looking to the cross for anything. Did you know that's the same thing they said back then? In fact, did you know that's the same thing they've said through all ages? If you back up to verse 18, God goes ahead and says it, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The world says, Why would you look to the cross? What answer does it do you find in the cross? What comfort is there in a cross, a crucifixion? Well, into that, Paul makes the statement in our verses today. Now, let me read the verses again. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. Now, let me explain these two verses. For the Jews, the message of the cross was unacceptable. And let me, let me explain this to you. I'll try the best that I can. For the, for the Jewish people, the message of the cross, listen, we, we as believers, we go to the message of the cross, but for a Jewish person, the message of the cross was unacceptable. They not only could not believe it, they would not believe it. They did not want to believe the message of the cross. That's why it's their stumbling block. The Jews did not want to believe the message of the cross. You see, to them, The Messiah, they they had talked about the Messiah. They had been promised the Messiah. Listen, their hope was in the Messiah, but for them, the Messiah was coming in power, and boy, they were ready. Oh, we've been downtrodden long enough. Oh, we've been trampled upon long enough. Oh, here we are in the power of Rome. For the Jews, they were looking for the Messiah to come in power, and they were ready they were looking for the Messiah to come in a display of great strength and they didn't know what that would look like but they could imagine what it would look like and they were ready for the Messiah to come one of their own the King of the Jews and he would come in great strength they were ready for the Messiah to come in great glory unimaginable glory they they remember the stories back to to Solomon's temple and all the the majestic, marvelous things there. And they were looking forward to a Savior, to the Messiah that would come in glory. And to them, a crucified Messiah was unacceptable. They couldn't accept it. They didn't want to believe it. You see, they didn't mind Jesus if he was the king they longed for a king they didn't mind Jesus the teacher they loved a great teacher they liked that he taught as one with authority they didn't mind Jesus the teacher they didn't mind listen Jesus the miracle worker they had seen the miracles they had heard of the miracles they didn't mind Jesus the miracle worker except to want to see another miracle but they could not accept Jesus as the lamb that was slain. They could not, Isaiah told them, but they could not, I don't know how they ignored it, but they could not accept Jesus as the servant that would submit to the cross, that would suffer on the cross, and a crucified Messiah was unacceptable to the Jewish people. It was a hurdle they couldn't jump. It was a stumbling block. No, the Messiah wouldn't come like that. No, the Messiah wouldn't die such a despicable, disgraceful death. They would not accept a crucified Messiah. So that's the Jews. Jesus crucified was a stumbling block for them. The Greeks were a different situation. The Greeks, on the other hand, didn't have those problems, they weren't bogged down with those set of problems. But they, with their love of philosophy, and I want you to think about them. We can read in history and see this, and it's evident in our culture today as well. Their love of philosophy, What about the problem of evil? What about this? And and what about that? And they like to talk about philosophy. They, with their pride in knowledge and libraries and books that were stacked up with facts and figures, and they love to talk about their knowledge. If you do this and this, and then it will result in that. And they were proud of their knowledge. They, with their need for logic. Isn't that our world today? Their problem is they couldn't make sense of it. Creator God becomes a man. That makes no sense. The Creator of all things, he becomes a man. That makes no sense. The Savior God would die for sinners. That, that makes no sense. There's no logic in that. Hope in a cross, future in death, redemption in blood. What philosophy could that ever be? What, what philosophy could ever rationalize those things? And so they deemed it all as foolishness. And then in this church in Corinth, see this, both of those voices start to creep in. And maybe I should say, all of those voices start to creep in. They were saved by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but now Paul has gone on and the teaching has has been distorted and those voices are starting to creep into the church and not only are they creeping into the church, they're starting to be louder and louder and louder in the church and they're starting to compete against one another in the church and compete against the gospel in the church and the voices in the church. No Messiah would die so disgracefully. No logical plan would include a crucified Messiah. No logical plan could include such events. No way that God would submit himself to such death. No way that God would ever even come as a man. And the noise builds and the noise comes in. Oh, listen, church in Corinth. You better find something more believable than that. Listen, church in Corinth. You better find something more spectacular than that. Listen, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to need something more attractive than that. And the Lord the noise is loud in the Corinthian church that makes no sense that's not acceptable that's not believable that doesn't appease us and the noise is brewing in the church there's no way it is foolishness and into that noise Paul says if you need a reset our hope And therefore, our message is Christ and him crucified. Now listen to the verses. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. Let me tell you the truth this morning. Jesus is the king. And Jesus is the teacher. And Jesus is the miracle worker. But I want you to hear me listen very carefully. Our good news, however, is that Jesus is the lamb who was slain. Did you hear that? Yes, he's the king. Yes, he's a great teacher. Yes, he is a miracle worker. But the good news for us today is that Jesus is the lamb that was slain. And as illogical as that is, it is our hope. You see, I want you to see this. Be very clear in this. The need of people wasn't a king. Do you understand that? There could be a king. The need of people wasn't a king. The need of people wasn't a teacher. We didn't need another, another person to give us information. The need of people wasn't a teacher. The need of people wasn't a miracle worker. As impressive as that was, the need of people wasn't a miracle worker. The need of people, it wasn't a philosopher to help us make sense of it all, a counselor to help us wade through the problems. No, the need of people Is a lamb. The need of people stained in sin, condemned in sin, the need of mankind is a lamb. But not just any lamb, the perfect lamb of God. Not just any lamb, the lamb that's fully man, that's fully God, the lamb that's willing to save, the lamb that is able to save. And Paul says here, listen, the message of the cross is Christ that was crucified. The message of the cross is Jesus is. That lamb, the Christ that was crucified, the lamb slain for sinners. Go all the way back to Genesis and where Isaac says, Dad, where's the lamb? And John the Baptist says, Jesus tops the hill. He says, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus is the lamb. As the lamb, he's perfect. He never sins. There's no blemish found in him. No no sin, no stain, no hint of sin. The lamb is perfect. The perfect lamb goes to the cross of Calvary. And there that lamb is sacrificed. The lamb is slain. He dies for sinners. He gives himself in sacrifice. The lamb is slain. And redemption is secured in his blood. Without the remission of sin, there is no there is no forgiveness for sin as his redemption, our redemption is secured in his blood. And there on the cross of Calvary, listen, God's wrath is poured out on him and he takes it. He wears our shame, our sin of the cross and God's anger towards sin is poured out on him and he takes it. The penalty is poured out on him and he pays it and the lamb that we need is slain. The message of the cross three days later The lamb that was slain walks out of the grave. He is now the lamb that is risen. And he stands as the victor, the defeater of death. He stands as the savior for sinners. The penalty has been paid. And the lamb is risen. And Paul says to them then, and God's word says to us today that we are to fix our eyes on the cross and more than that, the savior of that cross. And as improbable as it is, as illogical as it may sound, our need is for a lamb and friend to reset today. We behold the lamb, the savior of the cross. What's our answer today? Behold the lamb. What's our hope today? Behold the Lamb. What's our encouragement in these messed up days? How do we have any hope? What's our encouragement? Listen, Father of Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes and behold the Lamb. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of life. the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Doesn't home sound good today? Ooh, doesn't home sound good? We're not there yet. The world is getting loud. But I want to tell you today, Father of Jesus Christ, our path is clear the way of the cross leads home today we're going to observe the Lord's Supper and we're going to remember symbolically in an ordinance that Christ commands us we're going to remember Christ's death and I want to tell you what a great time what a needed time what a perfect time today to remember our Savior from the cross